If you want to get your notes out, we're going to jump into a brand new collection of talks called More Than Enough. More Than Enough. And over this next month, we're going to talk about this phrase and, and talk about what it means to live the more than enough life. I love the tagline of this collection of talks. It says, living free by living generous. Living free by living generous. I want you to know today, if I can encourage you, that the way God created you is not just to squeak by in life. That the way God created you as a son and daughter of his is to not just live a mediocre life. He has called you to live a life that is supernatural, that is full, that is more than enough. Turn to the person you ignored the first time and tell them, hey, you're more than enough. Not only are you blessed, but you're more than enough today. And we're gonna learn how to live that lifestyle. Next week, uh, over the next couple weeks, I have some friends of mine who have been generous with their time to come and speak into our house and can't wait for you guys to hear from them. But last week, obviously, it was Halloween. We had a great time for Party Sunday for our trunk or treat. My son got a ton of candy. It was his first uh, trunk or treat and walking around for a trick or treat that he ever experienced because he's three and a half now and he can walk around on his own. But what was, what was interesting is we drove up to our friend's neighborhood who lives uh, about 20 minutes north of here and that neighborhood was cray, crazy, all right? There were kids everywhere. There were families driving golf carts around. There were people on big speakers saying, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to my house. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is not what I remember. And as we were driving up there, Adrian and I, we were prepping our son, Shepard, and we said, hey, buddy, just so you know, when you get there, you're going to walk from house to house and you're gonna walk up to the door and knock on the door and you're gonna say trick or treat in your cute little voice and they're gonna say you're the cutest kid that I've seen all night and they're gonna give you some candy. But what's different about Floridians that I've realized and some people from up north have told me this is that we're not really go up to the door neighborhoods anymore. We're the people that go and we, you know, we got the table out on our driveway, we got the lawn chairs out because it's not freezing outside like up north and we're, and we're sitting out on the driveway handing out candy from our table. Some people put way too scary decorations out for kids coming by, but it kind of threw Shepard off. And so he kept walking up to people's doors. I'm like, Shepard, they're sitting right here. He said, no, I got to go to the door. And I said, no, buddy, they're sitting right here. And so he would say, oh, I can't go up to the door. So he would just keep walking. So he actually only stopped at like one table the whole time because we kind of threw him off to prep him that he had to go up to the door. But I was waiting for, oh, thank you for that awe out there. He still had a good time though. He he still had a great Halloween, a great time trick-or-treating and having, a, and having fun. And we were dressed as a little family, a little troll family, because Shepard loves that movie. But I was really excited because I've been seeing this meme pop up a little bit, and I was excited to finally live it out as the dad. Maybe you've seen this meme before. My kids after Halloween, where are all of our peanut butter cups? And there's fat dad, Leonardo DiCaprio, like, hey, they're all gone because I ate them while you were sleeping, right? I don't know if you're that kind of dad or parent, but I definitely am, especially when it comes to Reese's because those don't survive very long in my house. But I'm not talking about that type of attitude or posture today. We're talking about a posture of generosity. We can get rid of Leo up there and go back to our more than enough title slide. I want you to write this down for me today just so that you believe it and can know it, that everything we have is because of God's grace and his goodness. Everything that we have 
is a result of God's grace and goodness. I want you to know today that God didn't have to do any of the things that he's done. People ask sometimes, why would an all-powerful, eternal God create us? And my response is always because it's what a selfless, loving God would do. Because he would desire for something to know him so well. To know his love and his grace and his goodness and his hope and joy so much that he would be so excited to create them. So that he could lavish on them the gifts of who he is. So that he could speak to them about what it's like to be a son and daughter of a heavenly father. Everything that we have is because our God said we could have it. And he breathed life into us. And the reason we can experience it so vibrantly today is because of God's son, Jesus. Here's what it says in Philippians chapter 2, probably one of the most powerful passages in Scripture. This is going to start in verse 5, move through verse 10. It says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Would you circle that word attitude for me? You must have the same attitude. A coach, one of my sports coaches a long time told me that your attitude will determine your altitude. If you have a bad attitude, your altitude is always going to be low. If you have a bad attitude, your experience of life is always going to be so small compared to what it actually could be if our attitude was one that was good. Here's what it says, though. It says, though he was God, this is talking about Jesus, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Would you underline this phrase? Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, I love that word, because of what Jesus did, now therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Now, what Paul was writing to, this is written by the Apostle Paul. He was a tremendous follower of Jesus. Just to introduce you to him, he wrote the majority of the New Testament that we're still reading today, and he wrote this book of Philippians. And it's written to a church in Philippi that was going through disunity and conflict and anger towards each other. Sounds a little bit like our current culture that we're in right now. Angry against each other. No one has a good attitude. No one's being kind. And Paul doesn't look at them and say, hey, fix this, you better get better. He says, remember, you need to have the same attitude as Jesus. Remember who makes this possible. It was the Son of God who is God, who gave up his divine privileges to walk the streets of humanity with you and I. It's not about you, it's not about me. It's about the fact that we can experience Jesus today on wristbands that we give out on our walls, you see this phrase, it's about bringing hope local, and we say this all the time. Hope is not a feeling or an emotion. Hope has a name, and that name is Jesus, and you can experience and know him today because of the grace and goodness of God. So believe that this morning as we jump into the heart of the message, because I want this for you, and God wants this for you, that he wants a more than enough life for you. He wants a more than enough lifestyle for you. But write this down as we jump into the heart of the message today. The freedom of a more than enough life is found in surrender and stewardship. Surrender, God, I can't do this without you. 
I'm done trying to be in control. I'm done trying to do it on my own. I give you control. I surrender to you. And then stewardship, realizing that life is a gift and we need to steward it well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8, I love this verse and I wanted to give it to you as we jump in today. And it says, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. Man, I love some leftovers after a good Thanksgiving because it brings you back to the family time and community time. Well, I want you to know today what God has to offer you is more than enough. And there is so much more left over for you to share with others and to even fill up your life, even after today, even after this morning. Because it's about your personal journey, your personal relationship with Jesus. And he's called us to the more than enough. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? Let's jump into the heart of our conversation today. God, I'm so thankful for every single person here. God, I pray today that we would do two things. We would listen, we would lean in to what you're teaching us today as we have an honest conversation. God, we pray for a blessing over all our incredible kids, over next door and local city kids. Be with our kids team today as they make church fun and where kids can know that even at a young age, they can have a relationship with Jesus. God, it's an honor to be here today. I'm so thankful for our church and everyone with us today in person and online. We love you and we're excited for the message today. In Jesus' name, one more time. Come on, give me a good amen and clap your hands if you're ready to go today. Woo! Come on, we got that extra hour of sleep. We're ready to go. Felt good. It's funny how you're like, you know, uh, when you're getting ready to go to sleep on Time Change Sunday, you're like, oh, you know what? It's really 10 o'clock, and I can maybe watch another episode, or I can hang for a little more, but you're feeling refreshed today, but don't sit back, all right? I need you to listen and lean in today. Give me some good amens. Shout me down today, which means don't shout at me like you're yelling at me, but like, yes, that's good. I agree. I love it. It's encouraging me today, because this is more of a conversation, and especially today, this is a more of a challenging message. It's why I wore my my happy face, local city shirt today. It's kind of a challenging message for us to talk about surrender and, and leaning into the things of God. We don't have anything to stress about. The bucks are on bye week today, so we're all good. So we can slow down, hang out. We got some free cold brew and kombucha for you after service on this chilly day. It's denim jacket day, as a lot of you got the message and memo. What I'm talking about today, though, is the real solution to some of our problems that we face. I know a lot of us, we face problems like whether or not we think we're good enough or thinking we have to achieve or be accepted to find value and purpose in our life. Some of us, we've been constantly fighting for acceptance all our life. One of the things, maybe the other battles that we're fighting is things like anxiety or stress or depression. And, and I truly believe that the big thing that God gave you and I to help us in that battle is number one, a person, and that person has a name and that name is Jesus. We were just talking about that. But I also believe he gave us the act of generosity. And not just the act of generosity, the posture of generosity. To say, I am here to simply give and serve. I am here to humble myself. See, the Bible describes Jesus as that he did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. See, today I wanna to tell you, whatever you might be facing today, the answer is to surrender and give it to God and begin to live generously and you'll find freedom there. I just believe that is the prescribed medicine for our life. Just a couple days ago, Shepard woke up and he said his tummy was hurting. He said, Mommy, my tummy hurts. I'm like, okay, buddy, that's all right. He said, I need a Band-Aid. Well, 
Shepherd, <laughs> your tummy hurts. A Band-Aid's not going to help. But he got in his mind that a Band-Aid was going to help his tummy that was hurting. And so Adrian literally went to the cabinet, got a Band-Aid, put it on his cute little tummy that didn't have a scratch or anything on it, put it right here, and he said, oh, my tummy feels better now. Obviously, that just was a mental thing that wasn't true because that Band-Aid had nothing to do with helping a hurt tummy. But sometimes I believe we look to things that may satisfy us in a moment that, oh, now I got what I wanted, so I feel better. But it's not really solving the issue at hand. And generosity, I want to tell you today, that more than enough lifestyle is going to solve the issue at hand. And Jesus told a story that completely illustrates this. In Matthew chapter 25, we see a parable called the parable of the talents. And I want to read some of it for you today as we unpack it. It's on your card. It's up on the screen. It says this, the kingdom of heaven, love that phrase. Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven a lot. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. Would you circle these two words for me? He gave. Important to pay attention to that. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip, and the servant who received five bags of silver began to invest the money and earned five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid the master's money. It's interesting to see this story. Number one, I think it's so important to see that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. He says, this story, it's a parable, illustrates the kingdom of heaven. And what does he say? The master, the owner, the father, he gave. Can I remind you today that not only in this parable, but in the most famous verse in the entire world, John 3.16 says, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. Now that I know you, now that you know the answer, let's try that again. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will have everlasting life. That's for you today. That's for me today. That's for us. The posture of God is to give. The posture of God is to make himself available to us so we could experience him and know him. But what do we see? We see three instances with three separate people that were given bags of silver. In other translations, it's called they were given five, 10 talents, five talents. Now, it wasn't just abilities. It wasn't just finances. What this totally encapsulated when it came to what the master was giving them was talents and and investments, and authority as well. Can I encourage you today that you actually have authority over the decisions that you make? That yes, things do happen to you that are beyond our control, but how we respond to them actually is under our authority. And what's been given us is actually something that we steward. See, these three guys, of course, were surrendered to say, hey, master, give me the things that I can use to, to work and, and find favor in your eyes, but only two of them stewarded well what was given them. What does it say about the third one? He went and hid what the master gave him. He didn't just hide it. He dug a hole and stuck it down in there. That does not sound like I, what you would do with something that is truly valuable. 
See, what I believe is we see these two first guys, as we're gonna read in a second, they understand what it's like to receive something beautiful that's grace and goodness from the master, from their father, from the one who owns everything. They realize that it's about surrender and stewardship. The third one gave in to two things today that I think block the more than enough lifestyle. Two things that block us from experiencing the more than enough life that God has for us. Let's talk about them today. Two things that keep us from more than enough. Number one is pride. A preoccupation with my own importance. Man, how often in my life have I made decisions that have not been to my own benefit simply because of pride? Pride was the original sin of saying that we know better than you, God. What did the enemy tempt Adam and Eve with? He said, oh, well, he told you not to eat of that fruit. Well, that's because he doesn't want you to be like God. So when you eat of that, you'll be more. You'll be equal to God. He spoke to the one sin in our life that really has no excuse, and that's pride. That we just know how to be prideful. A preoccupation with our own importance, our own survival, our own desires, our own preferences. You have that friend in your friend group that when everyone's deciding where they want to go to lunch, you know you're pretty much going to go where that person wants to go because they're going to make it such a divisive, conflicting afternoon if they don't get to go where they want. Because you know, if, you, if they go where you want, you know, they'll be in kind of a sour mood and be like, what's wrong? Well, you know, this place is good, but I really would have rather gone here, right? A pride is a preoccupation with my own importance. What does it say? In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says that God gives, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I don't want to ever be in a position where God is opposed to me. <laughs> I mean, that's just not a good place to be. Let me just tell you right now. You don't want to be in a place where God is opposed to you, because God's pretty powerful. I mean, he created everything that we see. So I want to be in a place where God is giving grace. And where does he give grace? To the humble. To those who realize this life is not about me. It's not about me and mine. It's about what can I do to serve and make a difference? How can I surrender and steward well what God's given me? This third guy, when he buried that talent, when he buried that bag of silver, it was saying, you know what? I'm a little more worried about trying and failing, and I'd rather just keep what you've given me. I'm a little more worried about going out and taking a chance and having some faith, but I know I can just control this down here. What is pride ultimately about? Control. That we can control the outcome. We can control the daily intake and our daily responsibilities. But I want to tell you today that's not where the the more than enough lifestyle comes from. I thought about it this way. I think about if you were to look at this story, um, as a piece of paper, right? Like, this man was given a piece of paper. And I look at this piece of paper, it's nice, it's quality cardstock paper, only the best. But I look at it, you know, this is clean, it's useful. But really, it's only a piece of paper. It's not until you realize that there's possibilities when you give it to someone else, or possibilities when you look at it with fresh ideas, and you surrender it to something that's bigger than you to a different idea, right? I mean, these are things that I made as a kid, but if I were to give this to someone and say they were begin to fold it, I'd be like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? No, you got to keep it fresh. You can't put creases in it. Destroys the value. But if they were to begin to fold it up and 
fold in a way that they saw something that was being made, and, and you're like, wait, what are you doing? You can't, what, you're ruining it? This is, can't fit in a printer anymore. You're folding it. But if they were to continue to fold it and, and make it into something that only they can see, and, they are stu- and you're stewarding it well by giving to them, this is kind of how God works with our life. I used to make these all the time, and I remember it was my dad who taught me how to make them. I never thought a piece of paper could turn into something like this that would actually be able to be something really cool. I mean, now it's a, oh, now it's a plane. What? More than enough. Now it's not just a piece of paper that lies there. It's something that when it's put in someone who has surrendered it and stewarded it with a fresh creative idea of what can happen, when it's trusted someone who sees maybe things differently than you do, then it can be something that truly does soar. Let's see how this works. Oh, yeah. Oh, RJ, sorry. And now you get to poke somebody's eye out. But see, uh, that's what I'm saying is, I'm sorry, I threw a little hard. You're supposed to glide it. Sorry, RJ. Um, <laughs> but the thing is, though, if we never allow things to be folded, if we never allow things to be changed, it only is what it is. It's only what it can only be. And pride is surrendering our pride, is surrendering who we are, surrendering the things that we want. And saying, you know what, God, if you can do something way cooler than I can with what's in my hand, I'm just going to give it to you. And if you got to fold it up, if you got to change it, if I don't know what's going on during the process, that's okay. That's okay. Now, what happens in the story? Well, in Matthew chapter 25, verse 24, here's what it says. So what, what begins to happen in the story is that the one guy who had the many talents, he goes and he invests it and he doubles it. The guy that's gotten five, he makes 10. The guy that's given two, he goes and works and doubles it to four. But the guy that was given one, here's what it says about him in Matthew chapter 25, verse 24. It says, then the servant with one bag of silver said, master, listen to this, I knew you were a harsh man. Harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here is your money back. What is the first thing that's said in this? It's a lie. He says, I knew you were a harsh man. Well, that's a lie. You know why? Because what does it say in the parable? That the first thing the master does when he's leaving is he gives. I don't know about you, but I don't, need, I don't know about any, any harsh people who are giving generously to people in their house. Harsh people are holding it on for themselves. They're saying, hey, I'm going to take all this with me because I don't trust you. You're going to steal it while I'm gone, so I'm going to hold on to it for myself. That's not the posture that we see of the owner and the master. I see a generous owner who says, hey, while I'm leaving, why don't you take this and do something with it? That's not harshness. That's generosity. So the first thing that this guy did because of his pride was to believe a lie about the owner, the master. The first thing that pride will do, let me just tell you, local city church, the first thing pride will do will begin to get you to believe lies about your heavenly father, God. That, oh, he's a harsh God. No, he's just telling me what to do. No, if I don't do what I'm supposed to, then he's going to push me away. It's all about what I do, and I'm not good enough. That's not the posture of God. The posture of God is to breathe life into you, to always be in an arms wide open posture of grace and goodness, to just let you know I'm right here. I've bring, I'm gonna forgive you, I'm gonna free you, but if you would just come here, I'm not a harsh man, I am a generous heavenly father who is here for you today. Please stop believing the lies that God is something that he is not. And then, he be, then what happens, though, when we begin to believe lies about God, then we begin to yell, about, yell at God. 
Like, oh, yeah, 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 I mean, you're the master. You keep harvesting things you didn't plant. We're the ones that gotta do the work. Why, why should we give things to you? I just give, I'm giving you back what you gave me. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal was that you didn't trust God. You didn't surrender what he gave you and you didn't steward it well. See, pride gets us to believe lies about God and then it makes us attack God. The third thing is it begins to make us live a life so far below what we were created to live. Pride's dangerous. But how do we, I believe you can defeat pride. I believe you can. Here's how you do it. Number one is you gotta realize what pride is. Now here are three quick things I wanna give you. How do you defeat pride in ourselves? Number one, it's gonna show itself as a critical spirit. It's gonna show itself as self-deception and finally comparison. What's the critical spirit? Criticizing God. You're a harsh man. I'm afraid of you. Now there is a healthy fear we can have of God and I believe the other two men in this story demonstrated that. We can have an unhealthy fear where we believe God is just out to control us. Critical spirit. Second thing is self-deception. God, you only do these things because you're trying to control us and you, you get all this stuff and you don't even do the work. Self-deception. Comparison. Well, I hid mine, so I'm not, I didn't lose anything. I kept it safe and now I'm giving it back. I, you know, I, didn't, I didn't take a risk like the other guys. Yeah, but you also didn't practice faith. You also didn't trust me. See, pride's dangerous because, man, a critical spirit, woo! You want to begin to live an unhealthy life? Start being more critical. You want to find yourself frustrated every day? Stop, start deceiving yourself for who you really are. And, man, you just want to live in anguish every day? Compare yourself to somebody else. I promise you, if I, can I give you some truth today? There is never one moment God looks at you and says, yeah, but you're not doing as good as that person. God never looks at you and says, oh, yeah, but you've made a lot more mistakes than that person. Or I've created that person, you know, a little better than you. God never says that because God, a loving father would never say that to his kids. So if you find yourself critical, if you find yourself in self-deception mode and you find yourself comparing yourself, you gotta get rid of that because you gotta lay down your pride because that's how God works to realize that it's all about surrender first. And we gotta realize that this is the way God set up things to work. We can't change the game just because it gets un- uncomfortable sometimes. We can't change the game because it's easy. I'm gonna tell a little funny story about my wife. She really cracks me up a lot of times and she's cracked me up with the candy bowl recently at home. Uh, one of the things you get in, in, in trick-or-treat candy is the little starbursts that are the two packs, right? But you don't know what color starbursts are in there, right? Now we're all hoping that there's two pinks in there, let's be honest. Or maybe, you know, a red and a pink, you know, if we're going to sacrifice a little bit. Nobody wants those two yellows or those two orange packs, right? We're not into that. But what I found in the candy bowl was there was, there was all these half-opened Starburst wrappers and like little individual yellow and orange ones in the bowl. And I was like, what's going on here? And Adrian said, oh, well, I, you know, if I open it, it's got one that I don't want. I just put it back. I'm like, that's not, you're breaking the rules of the candy bowl, okay? And you're taking a chance, you're taking a chance on which one, and it's like rolling the dice. Sometimes you're going to get the two pinks or the pink and red. Sometimes you're going to get the two yellows. you got to eat it, okay? You took the shot. You can't keep going and throw back the other stuff because that leaves it for us. And we get excited. And like, no, you're breaking the rules. This is that how it works, okay? These are the funny things that I think about in my daily life. But more importantly, it's important to understand that when it comes to God, it's the same thing. We can't just do things our own way because it's easy. We can't just do things our own way because it it's more comfortable. We gotta lay down pride. Gotta lay it down. 
What's the next thing, though? The other thing that blocks us from living the more than enough lifestyle is greed. Greed. A preoccupation with what I have over what I've been given. In Proverbs 28, 25, it says, the greedy stir up conflict. I don't want more conflict in my life. But those who trust in the Lord will prosper. Can I encourage you today? I want you to prosper. I want you to be blessed. I want you to walk in the forgiveness and freedom and strength that God has offered you. But it comes with laying down pride and laying down the greed in our life. A preoccupation with what I have over what I've been given. Now, here's what this looks like. Understanding that, you know, what we've been given a lot of times look like, looks like this in our life. And we can spend a lot of time focusing on this. Man, how much do I have? How much have I earned? Where's my success level at? I got, things to, I got bills to pay. I got things to do. I, I don't have that much, but I got to hold on to it tightly. Where we forget what we've been given. What we've been given is something that's so much more valuable than anything material. We've been given the Son of God. What begins to happen is when we begin to lean into greed in our life is a mix of priorities, of unhealthy priorities begins to happen. And where it's, well, I know that Jesus is there. I know God's given me things, but I, you know, my, my have is a little low right now, so I need to focus right here. And my have is a little small right now, and, or there's, it's coming into a stressful season. I got to focus here. Can I encourage you? I, and I can, I can only speak to this because I've seen it happen in my life. I'm not speaking from just, this sounds like it's a good idea. No, it is the only way to live. I just want to tell you. Because what begins to happen is when you put your priorities right, you begin to realize, man, this may begin to go through stressful seasons in my life, or maybe my job situation is different, but if I keep priorities the right way, man, the cross outshines it. And then, what I, then, then this is what really stewardship is all about. Surrender is saying, God, I'm not prideful anymore. I can't do this without you. Stewardship is saying, God, even if this is what I have, you know what I'm going to do? I mean, it's not just a small cross that I believe in. It's the big cross of Jesus. So whatever I have, I'm going to lay it down at the foot of the cross because I know, Jesus, you can do way more with it, way more with what I have than, than, uh, than anything I can do with it. So I'm just going to trust you with it at the foot of the cross because that's where the Son of God gave his life for me. That's where I'm forgiven and set free. So my cross picture is not small. It's big. It's bigger than me. My God is bigger than my problems, bigger than my bills, bigger than my situation. And I know if I can include him in it, he's going to move and do something. I know, it's, I know it's, it's challenging, but it's so freeing to realize some of this stuff. Here's what it says in Matthew chapter 25, finishing with our third guy. Here's what it says. This is the master now. Then the master ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with 10 bags of silver. This is really important. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw, this is in, in your face, but intense. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus is playing no games right here. He's saying pride and greed will get you nowhere in life. Pride and greed will destroy the beautiful, supernatural, full things that God has given you. It will begin to move you into a place where you hide the good things of God that he's given you to serve and make a difference in the lives of those around you. We all deal with a little greed in our life. I can prove it to you right now. You ready? I'll prove it to you right now. When you go to the grocery store and you get that fresh loaf of bread and you go to make a sandwich, 
I guarantee there is not one person in this room, unless you're weird, there is not one person in this room that goes to the end like butt piece of the bread and says, yeah, I'll start a sandwich with that piece. No, just like a deck of cards, we rifle in a couple slices to the good thick pieces of bread and say, well, I hope I'm not left with the butt pieces at the end, right? We got a little greed in us. We always got to be fighting against it, right? We got a little preoccupation with what we have or what we've been given. But how do we fight against those things? How do we defeat greed in our life? Write this down. You can't work it away. You can't pray it away. You have to give it away. It's the only way to defeat greed in your life. Because what happens is you let go and let God, and you see that God makes a difference in someone's life. God makes a difference in the world around you, and you see, how dare I hold on to this when God could do something amazing and miraculous with it if I simply let it go? As we close today, let me give you three quick things that I believe are the practices that God's given us. The first thing is practice gratitude. You know, we're stepping into Thanksgiving season, and I would encourage you, just try it this month. Every morning, when you wake up, the first thing to do is get a note open your phone, open in your phone, or if you have a journal that you write in, just write three things that you're grateful for. And I want to encourage you to see how it changes your posture during the day. God, I'm thankful that I woke up in a house. I'm thankful that when I open the fridge, there's stuff in there. I'm thankful that I have breath in my lungs. I'm thankful for, that I'm alive today. I'm thankful for my family. Practice gratitude. Begin to understand and speak out loud and write down on paper the things that God's blessed you with. See, surrender and stewarding is about realizing the only things I have are because God's such a gracious, generous God. And I'm simply just giving back what's already his. That's the true idea of stewardship. Stewardship is this idea that I'm just giving back to God what's already his. I remember my first missions trip I went on as a high schooler. I went to the Dominican Republic, which is why I have a heart for that country and why we do a lot of missions work there with where we send our finances through Children's Cup and things like that. But I remember the first trip I went on, there was a little boy there. He lived up in the mountains that we were ministering in and uh, he had this like little dirty tennis ball. And as a ninth grader, I'm like, I can't, I'm not, I can't really get up and do a Bible study. I can't speak really well yet. And I, I, but I can play ball with this kid. So I'll just, I'll just go, we'll just go throw the ball together. And, you know, every day we'd go up into this mountain and he'd be there ready with that little dirty tennis ball. And we'd throw it to each other for the whole time we were there. And we'd just laugh. Had no idea what he was saying because I was not a very good Spanish student. We were just laughing and having a good time. And I remember when we were, our last day there, we were getting ready to go and, and, I said bye to him, and he went to hand me the dirty tennis ball. Hey, you can have this. This kid had nothing. Would walk home to a tiny little house made of wood that was smaller than my bedroom. His house was smaller than my bedroom. But he wanted to give me this. You know why? You know why you, when you go on mission trips and you go see third world countries and you leave realizing, man, they minister to me more than I minister to them? It's because you see people who are not held down by pride and greed. You see people who truly realize that if I, can, if I can give this to you and help you, that's what I'm going to do. Gratitude with the small things. As we get into the other ideas of this is the remedies, this is the medicine God's given us, the second thing is to practice what's called the tithe. Now, I, this is not a thing to pressure you. This is not a thing to add more burdens on you. 
But if I wouldn't be a good pastor if I talked talk to you the importance of church and worship and prayer, but never talked to you about the thing that Jesus actually talked about the most. And that's our money, that's our finances. See, the tithe is the, this commandment in Scripture that says we must give the first 10% to God. Because God can do way more in your life with something than nothing. What we see in the story, as I'm about to show you, is that the guy that hid the talents, he did nothing with it. The other guys, they at least gave God something. Some gave all, and he was able to do miraculous, powerful things. So the tithe is realizing that, God, I want to involve you in every single area of my life, and nothing is mine. I just give it back to you. Realizing that when I surrender this and trust God with it, he can do way, way more than I could ever do with it on my own. And even when it's difficult seasons, it's staying committed to that. There are testimonies all across our church, people who have seen God move in ways they never thought possible simply because of this practice. Here's what it says in Malachi 3.10. It's the only time where God uses these words. It says, bring all the tithe to the storehouse. If we can throw that verse up on there, Malachi 3.10, there it is. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Only place, God says, put me to the test. Only place. And I would say today, there's no pressure on you, but there's purpose in us to say, hey, God, if you say it, I'm going to trust it. I'll put you to the test. Here's the way we do this. We We ask people to step into this twice a year if they've never done it before. And it's the 90-day tithe challenge. It's where for 90 days you would say, you know what, and just ask God. If he's saying, no, no, do this, you don't have to do it. But if you would say in this moment, God, what would you have me do? Simply say yes to it. And the 90-day tithe challenge is for 90 days, I'm going to tithe. And I'm going to trust God. I know it's kind of a different season to do that through Thanksgiving and Christmas, but hey, we trust God throughout the whole year. And at the end of the 90 days, if you haven't seen God move and, and We've been blessing your life and strengthen you and lift you up. It's our guarantee that we're just going to give you back everything that you gave because we hold God to his word and we just believe that he's going to bless you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to draw closer to you. And we just believe this and we'll put God to the test in this. And all you got to do is text 90 days to 97,000 or scan the QR code. You can fill out the form. But we also give you something in return. What we do is we give you these financial peace resources that we have through Dave Ramsey where you can have access to a budgeting app and learn how to save your $1,000 emergency fund and walk through financial peace classes. We give that to you free of charge because we believe in tithing as well and we want you to be living that more than enough generous lifestyle. And here's the big verse I want to leave you with. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8. It says, you must each decide in your heart how much to give. This is big. Don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. It's beautiful. And the last thing as we close is this, is to practice finding any ways to serve others. We have amazing volunteers every morning that wake up to serve you and care for you. To let you know that, hey, we're with you, we're for you. We're serving you. And this is my little last example here. Maybe you look at this bucket and be like, what's he going to do with that bucket? Well, as the worship team comes out, I'll show you. Um, In the story, we see three different guys. And we see two guys who lived this way and one guy who lived this way. You see, this way, we'll we'll, we'll go in reverse. The third guy, he has this idea uh, that, you know what, what I have is mine. And even though it's been given given it to me, it's mine. And so what does he do? 
He goes and thinks about himself and digs it in the ground and hides it away and, you know, pats the, gr- the dirt down and puts some rocks over so no one can see where it's at. It's just his. You know, I'm gonna take care of my own issues, my own, my own stuff, because I'm gonna need this maybe for something, an emergency or something that may happen in my life. But you know what? He gave it to me, so I'm gonna hold on to it tightly, right? This idea is a tool of just for using it for myself. I'm just gonna dig and dig and hide it and keep it safe. But I promise you, it's not the surrender stewarded more than enough lifestyle that God wants for us. See, we gotta lay down pride that it's all what we do. We gotta lay down greed that's about patting down and hiding what we have. We've gotta begin to live like someone who knows that, man, I've received a lot from the Lord. He's poured out some blessings. He's poured out some resources. He's poured out some talents and abilities. He's given me breath in my lungs. So you know what? I'm not just gonna run away with this bucket. A bucket is used to pour something out. It's used to hold something and then pour it out so that it can accomplish a purpose, so that it can make a difference, that it can help people carry things. It can bring water to someone who is dying. It can bring tools that you need to build something up. Can I encourage your local city church to practice surrendering realizing, God, pour everything that you have in, into my life, into my heart, into my spirit, then I promise you, God, I will steward it well, and I'll pour it out on whoever I can so they can see the hope of Jesus, so they can see the good news of God, so they can see the freedom and forgiveness that you have. Come on, you probably didn't think you'd heard this, but come on, local city, in church today, I'm telling you, be a bucket today, all right? Be a bucket this week. When you see someone at work tomorrow, hey, what'd you talk about church on Sunday? I talked about how I'm supposed to be a bucket, all right? So what do you have? What do you need? I'm going to help you out today. Would you stand to your feet as we close? Come on, let's give God some praise today. He's a good God here in this place, and it's more than enough. Thanks for hanging with us for a little bit longer of a conversation today. But let's just close our eyes, stretch out our hands like this.